when you start to really express yourself, then you start to know yourself more. And when you start to know yourself more, it's way easier to know what you're supposed to do next and where you're supposed to go. And we need to express ourselves. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome back to another episode. Today's truth, today's story comes from someone I strongly consider to be a mentor and definitely an inspiration in a lot of my own work. So I feel blessed to have come to know her more and more since our initial phone call. Of course, you already know by the title that today I am talking with Chris Ann. For those of you that don't know her already, Chris Ann is a deck creator, designer, and a magic maker, as well as a brand strategist and the owner of Pixel Brand, a branding and graphic design company. She has successfully kickstarted three independent card decks the Sacred Creator's Oracle, the Lightseer's Tarot, and the Muse Tarot. She offers unique courses for creators that combine marketing and branding with manifestation and intuition. I was excited to have this conversation with Chris Ann because she is one of those people who is constantly creating and thinking and sharing ideas, which is always so fascinating to me because when someone has the ability to imagine and produce and show up over and over and over again, I just know that there's going to be an amazing story behind it all. In today's conversation, Chris Ann shares with us how she took her expertise as a corporate style brand strategist, and then she alchemized it into a new breed of magic maker and designer that the world honestly didn't know that they needed. She talks about her design processes and gives advice on how to tap into your own sacred creator energy. So before we dive into this conversation, one last thing I would just like to remind you that this show is purely funded by my work at thedivinerlife.com, by the members of my Club Divine family, and of course, my podcast patrons. Speaking of which, something new, fun, and exciting is coming starting in season three. So if you love Let's Be Omnist, please head over to thedivinerlife.com slash podcast to learn what becoming a patron can do for you. Now go ahead and grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you'd like. Because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here is my conversation with Chris Ann. So welcome, Chris Ann, to Let's Be Omnist. I am so, so excited to have you here. I'm like a little giddy kid on Christmas right now talking to you. Uh, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me and for having me. Of course. Um, so I've already shared with the listeners a little bit about your bio at this point, but I'd still like to start off by giving you the chance to share a bit about who you are and what you do and what's your thing. Sure. Yeah. I always find this so hard to do, you know, Thanks. when it's like, go. <laughs> <laughs> and I come from branding, which is like, um, yeah, so I am a designer and a deck creator and I do some courses online, helping people with business kind of bringing intuition and magic into their business. And um, I guess more recently an author, I can call myself an author, which is crazy and <laughs> kind of cool and doesn't, I don't quite feel like the shoe fits yet, but um, I'm sure I will grow into being able to say that, you know, without, a, without that hitch in my step. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I do a lot of different things and um, 
Yeah, I guess that's why I, I always sort of shy away from like, oh, when people ask me that question. I said deck designer, right? So um, tarot and oracle, of course, deck designers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the world that I know you from. Obviously, when you launched your Kickstarter for uh, the Lightseer and the Muse Tarot, I it was everywhere. Like, if you are in the spiritual community, you could not get online without seeing people being excited about your deck. So I definitely think deck creator is the one thing I know people will know you for. When you say that you are now an author, are you referencing specifically like the guidebooks and everything that comes with your decks? Or is yeah, there an- okay. for sure. I was like, is there a book out there that I don't know about? <laughs> well, Sacred so Creators has, uh, the book for Sacred Creators is about, it's close to 300 pages. So it is a big, chunky book. And, but because, and it's so funny, we need this crazy, not everybody needs it. I need this crazy, weird external validation sometimes. And so like that 300 page book wasn't enough to call me an author. But having gone through the process with Hay House, with the light sears and the muse of the editing process and the back and forth and kind of getting the approval from a publishing house that, yeah, it's good to go. That makes me feel like I can say it, which is so weird. I should have said it five years ago, right? When I first did that 300 page book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say 300 pages is certainly not something to just, you know, shrug at. I know, especially when it comes to things like guidebooks, I know the one that you did, obviously the commercial version for your new house decks are a little smaller than the originals but when even when you look at a guidebook i mean i'm a deck creator i know what that's like people think oh they're just quick interpretations but that is not true at all there is energy to get everything down to such a concise phrase you deserve the phrase the title author long before this (laughs) (laughs) thank you Uh, so before i dive more into all of these other things that I have questions about, I want to give the listeners a chance to know you on a deeper level. Mm. So we are going to play a quick game of two truths and a lie. Mm. So how hard, how hard do you want me to make it? <laughs> Actually, so I've been getting better and better at this the longer I've been doing. So um, do, do what you feel is best. Uh, cool. <laughs> I will trust yeah. you. Set your own difficulty levels. Cool. Okay. So um, number one, I hitchhiked to Mexico when I was 20. Okay. Number two, I have a degree in acupuncture. Okay. And number three, I, um, how do I want to, how do I want to phrase this? I guess it was around 19. I competed nationally in half pipe in um, snowboarding. Ooh. Okay. I gave so, some hard ones. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have seen you in the snow. I feel like I've, I saw you recently maybe go skiing. So I feel like snow sports is totally something you do. I am going to say that the lie is acupuncture. You got it. Good for you. Yes. Okay. I was like, oh, but if she has a degree in acupuncture, I'm diving right into that. Um, I did study. So I, I was like, how hard do you want me to make it? Because that's like a, that's like I studied acupuncture for a year and a half, but mm-hmm. I didn't finish. So I have no degree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's actually, I had someone else once who in their bio said that they went to school for a certain thing, but then they didn't graduate. So their lie was that they got a degree in it. And I was like, I know that's true. <laughs> so good job. So mm-hmm. tell me, um, what made you hitchhike to Mexico and from where? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was living in Whistler and um, I was kind of that year after high school, uh, not, didn't know what I wanted to study, lived out West for a little while because I was competing in, in snowboarding. I lived right. in Whistler. And then after that, kind of my, I felt like my stint in Whistler was over. And one of my close girlfriends had, she was Mexican who had immigrated to Canada like a year prior. So okay. she was going down to, for the summer to visit her. Her mom was there, her grandmother was there. And um, she, she invited us to go stay with her, but she was going for a week or something and we wanted to go for longer. So we were in Whistler and we wanted to see California and we wanted to see Oregon. So we thought, okay, let's, there were, um, there were on that trip, two of us that went from Whistler to Flagstaff. And then we met up with someone in Flagstaff, Arizona, and then we continued the rest of the trip. But as soon as we crossed the border, we took buses, just got too <laughs> crazy and a little bit too scary. Yeah. yeah that makes so it's sense. kind of crazy, right? It was, I wanted to learn how to surf and I don't know, it was. I was just like running on, this is a crazy question. People are going to think I'm crazy and they're going to be like, I'm not listening to anything that woman says. She's <laughs> risky and crazy. I'm not, you know, I was never that crazy person. Like it sounds like such a crazy story. I was always like the one that was like looking after all my friends if they had too much to drink and I was always super responsible. I feel like every once every seven or eight years, I just do something kind of that feels a little bit dramatic to shift my trajectory really. You know, it was like my life was just not, didn't want to get stuck in the competing snowboard lifestyle at the time there was no olympics for that there was no real money in that um it wasn't a career back then and it wasn't like a legit sport <laughs> <laughs> and um and i guess i knew i wanted to go to university but i was i knew i wanted to study spanish and so mm. i don't know it was just uh you know like i said running on karma and believing the world was just so good and that nothing would ever happen. And it was like that back then. I feel like it actually really, because that was so my belief, um, I was able to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, I would definitely makes sense. do it now. Like if I had a daughter that wanted to hitchhike to Mexico, I'd <laughs> be like, no way. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I think a lot of, I have a, a friend, a uh, co-creator for a deck that I'm working on who just went to Mexico because she went to get a tattoo in Mexico from a certain artist and her husband, her family was like, oh, be super careful. And she was like, she was stressed about flying into Mexico, like knowing where she was going, getting what she was doing. Uh, and so just to think about like, you didn't even know how you were getting there, or how long it would take or um, no. that certainly would not happen today. No, my parents <laughs> would have killed me had they known. They didn't know. And it was just things were more, I was more naive. The world was more naive. It wasn't, you know, it was, things were just a little bit different. It's not like I'm like 80 or anything, but just life has changed a lot in the last 15 years. Yeah. You know? That makes and, sense. Yeah. And it was, I don't know. I, I remember being there and I'd have like a couple of days to waste. And I went to Guadalajara and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like, I had to meet my, uh, I had to meet my girlfriend. I'm like, okay, I've got like seven hours to kill. So I'm just going to get on a bus, random. Let's go pick a time, 16 minutes, wherever it is, that's where I'm getting off. And I was able to do that somehow, or I thought it was safe. Maybe I wasn't really, <laughs> <laughs> but I felt like I was. Nothing ever, you know, nothing happened. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I'm much more, uh, um, I'm, yeah, is it more, I've, I've got a lot more fear in my system. Like, you know, the older you get, maybe you kind of see different things happening in life. So I've, I live mm. a little more, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as, it's not crazy, but I'm not as free as I was back then. Yeah. Mm, that's a really interesting thing to hear you say, because I, Again, like, you know, not to sound like an Instagram stalker, but I follow your Instagram pretty closely. And uh, you always share things like, for example, the first thing that comes to mind is when you have like your little dance breaks yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> and I can't imagine watching you do things like that or like watching you just draw something or have like these really interesting creative outlets. And then to match that with the words like today, I don't feel as free. Do you know what I mean? That's such an interesting combination to bring together. Uh, would you say that, uh, I wanna just tie it a little bit into spirituality for a second because you mentioned like you just kind of went on a whim and you followed yes. karma and intuition okay. and uh, when, was that like a part of your life then or when did that kind of come into your life? Oh, so it was, it was not the same way. I mean, at that point in time, I was sort of discovering the chakras and um, I had recently read there were a few books that the, the year prior that really kind of marked big moments in my life. I read um, The Celestine Prophecy, and I read a book called Ishmael, and um, Celestine, Celestine Prophecy, Ishmael, and um, the Palladian, the Palladian something, and I can't remember. It was like the very first kind of, um, the author's name is Barbara. It was like the very first, oh, we can link to it. It was the very yeah, first yeah. sort of like starseed <laughs> book out there okay or one of the first back then and so I had read a few different titles that really shifted my perspective on life on things and I was I guess so it was a part of of who I was but I don't own oh, the alchemist I had read around that time no that the book comes a little up bit a later it was a little bit later but yeah um but but there's just this kind of like I yeah definitely had taken on some of those beliefs without maybe realizing it Mm -hmm. And so it was a part of my life, but not in the same way as it is now. Now it's more of a conscious thing. Mm. It's more kind of a, I don't want to say, an, it's not that it's a, an effort, but I definitely realize now that it's not just on a whim and it, I have to make the time and the space and it's a little more devotional. Right. In it's integrated a little bit yeah. more instead of just its own separate yeah. area. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So then you mentioned that all of this kind of happened um, preschool. You didn't really know what you wanted to go to university for yet. Um, what did you end up going to university for? So I ended up doing, so <laughs> that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> if I told you how many different things I've studied, you would laugh. But my, um, my degree is that I have an honors bachelor of design. Okay. I've got a design degree. So uh, graphics um, I did do a year of interiors. Like I said, I also did some acupuncture. Um, yeah. Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, just studied a little bit here and there, but specifically your degree is in design. Yes. Yeah. And, but then I've gone back like multiple times after I had my degree to kind of do a couple courses here or there or thinking maybe I'm going to study something else and I'll do, you know, first year of something. And then, uh, yeah, I learned what I wanted to learn. And so I, I love to learn. Really, I'm a, I haven't studied anything at university in a while, and I was, I'm starting to feel like it's time. 
So I know that personally, um, my journey from just kind of like a private, personal, spiritual life into mm-hmm. more of the like spiritual business world was a really tough transition. Yeah. What did that look like for you or feel so like? For me, it was more, I had been an entrepreneur um, for, I'm so horrible with the specifics on time. I've got a really interesting relationship with time. It was about 12 years, okay. about 12 years. And um, I had gotten to the point where I was bringing in some stuff with some clients, I was doing a lot of brand strategy sessions and um, bringing in some Oracle decks with some of those groups or some of those clients. And some people were loving them because of how deep they could go to understand themselves. And other people were, you know, of course taken aback and they just, they didn't get it. But I was looking for two things at the time. I was looking for an Oracle deck that would really work for business. And I bought so many decks and tried so many different things. And I was like, okay, ding, 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 I have to make this deck. So that was sort of the transition was really, in one sense, it was kind of a no-brainer and almost, uh, it was really natural to create that product while I was still working in the kind of branding and marketing conventional business. Um, But the thing that was happening on the side that I think was probably more important and more the driver of it was I was feeling this angst of ah, you know, having, because I was really, even though I lived a life where I kind of followed a lot of these principles of following intuition, there's this beautiful serendipity. I wasn't talking about that very much. I was really Mm. in the spiritual closet. I would bring these decks to meetings and kind of be like, I know this is really weird, but let's like, just let's try it out for a big experiment. Like I always had to frame it from the place of play. And I always had to frame it as if we were, I had to walk on eggshells really is what I had to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so the more I saw how well they worked, the more I wanted to just be open about it. And the more I felt like I was living a lie when like, it was like when my business life and my personal life started to meet that way, Mm -hmm. um, I realized that I was not, I just felt like I wasn't expressing myself fully in the world. And I knew that there was more and I knew that I could, I had the desire to, at the time, do something. I didn't know what it was. No idea. I just was, I had the desire to do this, like, like so many people, like so many of us, you know, it's like, I want to do something that's more spiritual and I can't define that, but I know I need to do it. (laughs) You know, I'm sure that was that your experience kind of of having this, like, oh, this push of needing to do it. And I have never had a guest turn around and ask me my own question. (laughs) Um, I'm sitting here like, wait, are you asking me something? Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it was very much similar. So like, uh, if we're talking specifically Oracle decks, which I guess was my first introduction to the business world. um, Yeah, I was looking for something that I didn't find anywhere else or that I I realized I was gravitating towards another decks, but I kind of had to piece it together, figure it out. And yeah. so I was like, all right, well, here we go. I guess we'll just dive into that. So there's, yeah. Yeah, there's that like knowing of like, you need to do it. Well, for me, it was like, I felt like I really had to, and then not being sure how. And I sat with that for far too long. And then finally just came to the point where I was like, I just have to get this out, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to me that you 
kind of used that as a way to build a bridge between your two worlds. Like you kind of said, okay, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I'm doing my best to like figure it out, but you know, I'm just going to instead like bring these two worlds together. Um, did you find that once you created the deck and you kind of filled that space, cause we're talking about the sacred creator. Right? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So once you built the deck and you started integrating that more, did you find that the awkwardness went away? Um, At least a little bit? <laughs> a little bit. Not necessarily in groups. It, dep- it really depended on the client. Like if I was working with something that was very corporate or with, you know, I had some clients that were mun- municipalities, you know, then the awkwardness was, I could never fully be. Mm. Um, and a lot of times I would be in a meeting and I would, you know, oh, can I just bring out a deck and we can fix this problem? But I knew they wouldn't respond to it. Like there were clients that it was just, it was not possible. Mm. And so um, more than the awkwardness fading away, it was more like I saw the opportunity to work part-time and then full-time. I kind of slowly built it up so that Mm. I just let go of my, um, bread and butter clients. There was only about a year after Sacred Creators was released that I was able to not, I didn't take on. I, you know, I just started slowly phasing my way out of the work that I had done for so long. So that change was mostly from as far as like the style of person you were working with, or did your work completely change? Both. <laughs> both. Both. Yeah. So I did take on some clients, but very few. And they were, but I was already at that point working with, um, even though I had some kind of bread and butter clients that were more corporate, all of my smaller companies, they were all healers and acupuncturists and naturopaths. I was already working in, in a very specific space, but even that became not enough what I wanted to do you know I wanted to do something for myself I had been building other people's things for so long that I just sort of felt like I have something to share too (laughs) that makes sense would you mind just really briefly explaining to listeners just so maybe they can get a better understanding about what exactly we're talking about like what is it that you do with your clients nowadays as far as brand design and things like that today so actually I'm not doing um one-on I don't do um one-on client production. So if someone comes to me for, you know, logo or website, I don't do that anymore. Maybe I'll do that again someday in the future. Who knows? But right now it's not what, um, it's not what I'm working on. I do take on consultations so people can come when they are building their businesses and they just kind of want somebody who maybe can give them some of that branding and marketing business stuff along with understanding some of the concepts that they are working with or if they're doing a deck or if they're trying to build a business online, I've done a lot of those things. So I have practical advice as well. So, and then, you know, sometimes those consultations are, you know, part left brain, part right brain, you know, we may pull cards. We're always going to set intentions. So there's always a little bit of, it's a mixed bag of tricks to be honest with you, but the real, um, I guess when it comes to business clients, I do some courses online. So one is called Branding and Magic, Marketing and Magic. We have one called Manifest Being Seen. We're we're building out another course for hopefully closer to the end of 2020. And so they're um, just kind of group programs where you can go and go through the program with a few different people. Yeah, it's 
so that's the only way that I work with businesses now. It's no longer in that production, you know, not behind the scenes doing people's logos anymore. <laughs> that makes sense. You're more of a support. I've experienced this. Here's my input. Yeah. Kind of people have, yeah. I think that's, I think when you get to that point, it really says I've done my work, like I've done the hard work and now it's time for me to just like share all the hard work that I've absorbed over time. I think that's a beautiful place to be. Thank you. That's kind of like a, you have to work hard to get there. So congratulations that you've made it. That's been, it hasn't, and it's been quite, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. So it took, yeah, it definitely took, it took more than a few years. <laughs> yeah. I heard you mention that, you know, it kind of sounds like you tend to work with people who are more maybe building business or they're kind of in those early stages. Yeah. Would, would you find that there's one piece of guidance or something that you tend to really fall back on more frequently when you're working with someone who's new or building or just kind of in those early stages? Sure. Yeah. Because um, I get, I get people who are also like, you know, just looking to like go a little more like they're looking to just, you know, I, I, what's coming to mind is, is next level. And that's such a cliche. I'm like, do not say it, but yeah, you know, people are really kind of looking to level up, but when it's people that are new getting started most of the time. Um, so if you have anyone that's listening, who's thinking about starting something most of the time, um, people are seeking permission. They're seeking validation for their idea. You know, they're seeking that, yeah, this is, this is a good business case. Mm. It's going to work. And this is why more, more than anything else. And so oftentimes I, you know, it's, it's, and sometimes we have to go through the motions of asking a consultant so that we don't have, so that we're not blocked by our own fear. But most of the, most of what I see in that, that real startup phase is, is there's fear. There's fear and there's that worry of, is this possible? And I know I want to do it. And um, it's that validation that, yeah, I, that you can do it. Like you've got what, what it takes. And that sounds so, I don't know. I guess I probably, I'm thinking back to my first coaching sessions or anytime I went to any kind of strategist and that's exactly what I wanted to hear. That's probably what I was seeking as well. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you, what's really interesting to me is it sounds like you, kind of found that on your own because you're saying that you you know you went to strategists but it doesn't sound like they said that to you and so it wasn't really until you said all right I'm just going to do the work like yeah. I'm just going to dive in that it showed up and said look you can do it you're totally fine <laughs> I actually went to it's funny you say that my um one of them uh I spent like I'm thinking of like where have I spent the most money with strategists and one of them was a um like a search engine optimization business person that I knew was excellent in their field. And I spent some money <laughs> to sit with this person and talk to them. And I was at the time, I had all these different, I had my deck and I had my business and I had um, this blog that was more kind of like magic and incense and different kind of a variety of fun, curious things, which is where the name Pixie Curio comes from, from that blog actually. And um, which is my Instagram handle. I know that most people probably were like, what did she just throw out there? <laughs> They knew. They got it. So um, I sat with him and he looked at all of my different businesses and the different websites that I was trying to amalgamate. And he looked at me and he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, well, 
that's what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to figure out how to put these together. So I'm hoping like from a search engine optimization perspective, you can help me understand what's the best front door and, and how we can, how we can build these things together. And he was just like, why would you ever want to um, put branding with this magic stuff? He's like, it's just going to make your um, people that are, that take you seriously not want to work with you and it's just going to make the like magic people like not get you because he was like I just don't get it and that was so hard for me because I really trusted I was really hoping he could help me with my systems in my building and how I was going to put it all together and I realized then that um you know it's really important to work with people who at least believe some of the same things as you believe when you are looking for business advice in this virtual world. That makes because sense. When someone doesn't get it. He couldn't even, he couldn't fathom that someone would ever work with me after they saw the magic stuff. Mm, I feel like I've run into those people before. So I yeah. totally hear what you're saying. <laughs> and that was so, that was hard for me to hear, but it made me, kind of just dig in and say no I, this i'm gonna this is gonna work <laughs> you know okay yeah that definitely i i hear that i resonate with it i think that the most important parts of that are that no matter what you ran into these you still just kept saying no like i know it's out there or i know it's possible or if mm -hmm. it's not there now then it's going to be there by the time i'm done mm -hmm. uh, so i definitely really appreciate that when so you you kind of leave that corporate world a little bit. You created your deck. You started bringing everything together. When did you decide that you were going to then start creating more decks? Like, did you always see yourself as a deck creator? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so not even when I did Sacred Creators. Sacred Creators was supposed to be an app that I started. And then I was like, oh, all stuck in the coding and couldn't figure out certain things and working with these app people. And so I was like, this is just going to be a physical deck. It needs to be a physical deck. And I just kind of let that happen. And then I wasn't going to create any more decks. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it is a, it's a large undertaking. You can take a lot. It's, it's a labor of love. It truly is a labor of love. And so I thought, you know, I, what my plan was after sacred creators, I was going to do this workbook that was sort of this, um, help people figure out their plan workbook for sacred creators. And so I put about six months of, um, I was, had some courses going, but I had about six months of what I would have considered production time for design prior production time to create this book. And, um, Ethany invited me into her tarot summer school. Um, okay. tarot summer school is a teacher. And she asked me, you know, well, what would you think about doing this create your own tarot and Oracle deck course? And I was like, great. It sounds wonderful. I've got these six months. That's going to take me maybe two weeks to like set out those 10 lessons. And, um, and then I'll dive right into my workbook afterwards. And so part of creating that course, I created a PDF for the students that was um, imagine all of the cards and gave them a spot where they could kind of do a quick sketch of all of the, their full tarot deck and some of the things to think about are your suits going to be normal suits? What is your voice? What is your, you know, how is your deck? What's the main thing of your deck? All the stuff, all the things. And uh, as I did that PDF, I kind of was testing it as I went to make sure that it would work for the students. 
And I realized partway through that, that, you know, here I am like sketching and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting deck. It was lights yours. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and so by the time I finished that course, I had a whole set of sketches for the deck and I thought, oh my gosh, here we go. And I just, it, it, it was almost, I don't think without that invitation from Ethany, I don't think light seers would have ever happened. Mm, Cause it just kind of popped into your head. It, because I was in that space of these are the things you might want to think about if you're doing a tarot deck. <laughs> so then did you then take the rest of that? five, six months to just work on light seers? So I started just doing light seers. Um, of course, the deck is going to take, it took longer than that. And then partway through light seers, I was about four months, three or four months into light seers. And then the muse, like, whew, it was like this, like full, I want to say download or uh, inspiration to do the muse. And that put everything else on hold. It didn't even make sense. I've never, I hadn't felt that sort of um, like, incessant creative fire that was just like right there go 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 in the back of my head and right whispering in my ear all the time you have to do this you have to do this and I didn't want to because I was in the middle of another deck a deck is a huge you know it's already we're looking at a year maybe of creative and that's a um, realistic timeline by the way let me just emphasize for any deck creators out there please listen to Chris when she says (laughs) at least a year because sometimes we get ambitious and we're like Oh yeah, it'll only take a few months. I already got the idea down. Never true. All no. right. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> some people, some it depends, right? Some people I don't know. For me that 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 is my timeline. It's about a year. And a um one. yeah. And so I had had this other deck show up and I put it off for about a month. It was really about a month and I was you know, boring my husband to death, bothering him. Every single time we got in the car, I was like, blah, 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 the muse, the muse, the muse, I have this new idea and blah, blah, blah. And this, and so he was like, you know, just, you know, it it was almost like I was asking him for permission to do this insane thing of trying to create two decks at once. Finally, he was like, for all of the energy that you've put into like trying to convince me that it's a good idea, like you probably would have some cards done. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was just, uh, I can't explain that moment or that time in my life. It was ridiculous, Um, way too much production. And so I ended up taking the muse on, doing a bunch of cards all at once, and then finishing two decks at the same time, which took me about a year and a half. Um, But that's not even a realistic timeline, a year and a half for those two decks, because I was working more than eight hours a day. And I was even, you know, on vacation, spending some time on the computer, I was obsessed. And, you know, I finished and it has been like, I'm not fully over that yet, even creatively. Like I was so drained at the end of that experience because there was so much output and so much production and so much creative that, um, how long ago was that now? Let's see. I, well, I finished in. Time, time, time. I finished oh, in right. uh, June, but then it was June, July, August, September shipping. Oh, right. So there, cause I had, you know, 4,500 boxes show up at my house and I was like, I can do that, which was also ridiculous. <laughs> Don't do that. Word to the wise. If anyone out there is creating a deck, use a, you know, a fulfillment center. If you have over two or 300 
you know, really, it's just, it's Let such write that a down. Huge, no, it <laughs> <laughs> it's such a huge pro, you know, it's giant work. And so that was months and months of shipping. And so then after that, I was just, you know, um, then after that, I had to do the Hay House versions, right? And the, that writing. So it's only been uh, about three months, not even two months that I have been out of that sort of Light Sears Muse. So it's like two years almost. Yeah. Once you tack in all that extra time, that is a long time to suddenly just shut off that creative flow and say, all right, what else? Yeah. I can't even imagine. Are you, can I ask you, are you filtering that creative flow into something uh-huh. new yet? So I spent about two, like it's been about two months of me just like um, playing and sketching and like, like really I have like my watercolors out and, and I'm, you know, oh, I haven't used pastels in like 15 years. Let me pull those out. Just trying to play because I found that I was so boxed into those projects that anything that I was doing was looking like it was supposed to be part of one of those decks. Mm. And that's fine from like an art perspective. If you're an artist, you always want, you know, that's a beautiful thing for artists who have a, a look that's recognizable, but I consider I'm much more of a designer and that's not, um, it's just not what lights me up. And so I was looking for something new. I have been playing. I do suspect that I'm going to do an Oracle deck. That's what I'm sort of feeling like is coming next with just some of the art that's happening. Uh, I feel like it's going to be an Oracle deck. I would love to do another tarot deck, but I'm not ready to commit to 78 cards. (laughs) Yeah. Personally, I have not tackled the tarot world yet because Oracles, I feel, not to say they're any easier by any means, because if you think about it, you don't have rules or structure. You just kind of yeah. Kind of have to figure it out as you go, but man, seventy-eight cards is just a lot to yeah. do. And you did you didn't do seventy-eight, you did hundred and fifty-six. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely take your time. Mm. Relax a bit. I appreciate that. What else do you like to do when you're not like diving into a project? What are some of your favorite ways to just let spirit flow? So I've been um well, I mean from a spiritual kind of practice perspective, for sure, I do my best to meditate as much as I can. I mean, I say as much as I can, and I, if that is 10 minutes a day, that's great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always, it's not even that sometimes, you know? Um, but spend some time, kind of some quiet time, but for fun, I love to get out. I love to snowboard. That's that one of my favorite, favorite things just to be outside. And it's not the adrenaline of it, maybe like it was when I was younger. It's really just kind of being outside. Everything else just, that flow state, right? Everything else just turns off. You have the trees, the birds in the trees, the fresh air, the snow. It's just like this, it's just being in nature. Um, that's really so good for me as far as filling my cup. <laughs> and I'm really into lately. There's a few things that I've been actively trying to experience more and more. And one of them is sound healing. And um, the other one is I'm really enjoying uh, float tanks and kind of being in that salt water. So there's a few things that I've been doing that's it's a conscious choice to, yeah, there's sound healing. I'm going to it because I'm trying to activate that audio sense a little bit more. 
I don't mm. have a very strong, like I'm really visual and most of my, like any intuitive information that I receive, there's, I have that kind of knowing um, and the visual, it often comes in the form of a visual. So I'm just playing with what happens if I work on my audio sense and, you know, something more to, to learn and dive into and not to take us on a weird tangent, but this is actually a topic that's on my on my mind lately, and I haven't had the chance to bounce it off of someone live yet. Yeah. So I want to ask you, have you seen the things that are floating around on the internet right now where people are talking about, do you have an inner thought monologue or do you not? Have you yes. seen any of this? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah. So I want to ask you, do when you think, when you like, whatever, dream even, do you mm -hmm. tend to hear words or do you tend to see pictures? What, what's kind of your, the way your thoughts feel to you? So both. I definitely have a voice that's like a, that kind of like, nee, 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 like that, you know, little mm -hmm. jerk that can be so mean. I have that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I am actively engaging in my own thoughts, they're visual. Mm, okay. The reason I was asking is because I, I find that when I specifically, I did like a little survey uh, mm -hmm. on my Instagram where I asked other intuitives, you know, like what, uh, what is your thought process? Do you usually hear your own voice? Do you usually see more images? And then how does that compare to the way that your um, intuition. spiritual intuition yeah. speaks to you? And I seem to find that it's opposites. Oh, so like cool. if people hear their thoughts, they are more clairvoyant, but if they see and kind of have abstract thought, then they are more clairaudient. So That's it's really cool. And so to me, my theory, and I'm excited to talk about this on the podcast, yeah. my theory is that because you don't usually have those, your, your, what you know to be your thought in that form, when you do hear it or you have that opposite moment kind of strike you, it really stands out and you're like, that's not me. That's yeah. not my own thought. So it's interesting to me to think if it's actually just that when you do, you know, receive a message in your own native cognition. I don't know what else to call that. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you just are like, oh yeah, I had a thought. But when it happens in the opposite, you're like, that was not me. So. Very cool. That mm. is so interesting. We did a whole bunch of intuition experiments with like the different senses when we ran our soul printer intuition lab. And I would, we'll have to chat later because that's very, I love that. That's very cool. Like it's, it, this is the type of, um, you know, thing that seeds larger studies that you know i feel like people need to be studying this mm. and they're they often study it from mm, without some of these you know the nuanced thinking that comes from community of intuitives right <laughs> yeah exactly i mean that's what you're doing in your world you're changing mm. how branding works you're like mm. actually hold on let's talk <laughs> let's invite spirit into this conversation like they should be so it definitely makes sense uh, I'm glad that you use the word study though, because one of honestly, like, yes, your, your art, your design, all of that is so beautiful. The way that you share your thoughts is really beautiful. But one thing that keeps me coming back to constantly is that you have this beautiful library in that mind of yours where you're always <laughs> like, so-and-so once said, or I'm really inspired by this book or this person. And I love that you do your research or that you almost have like this academia side to you that I, I, it just draws me in. So what would you say is some of, how do I want to phrase this? What would you say is one thing that really has stuck with you for a long time from like all the things that you've studied and researched and 
looked mm. over. Is there one so, thing that's always carried through? It has to be, you know, this is going to maybe be a strange answer, but it has to be books like um, The Brain That Changes Itself by Dr. Norman Doidge or like things that come from neuroplasticity or neuroscience. It has to be because that for me is sort of the, because I have the left brain, right brain. And, you know, um, sometimes, especially I think when we live such magical, like magical people, we live magical lives and things happen that other people are like, oh, coincidence. And then I have that critical thinker that I'm not going to edit this, but this just be coincidence. And then I have to kind of appease both of them. Like I have both sides that in order to live a magical life, I need to that critical thinking part of me to have an excuse or have a study to back it up so that it's just quiet so that I can do my work. That sounds a little bit crazy, but but <laughs> there is, believe me, out of all the things that have ever been said on the show, that is certainly not crazy. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, so brain science stuff, you know, like just, just, I love studies that come like peer reviewed medicine or, you know, peer reviewed studies that come from physics where we're looking at things like, you know, the brain actually does you know, there's studies of people who, gosh, the one that's coming to mind is just so out there, but, you know, they, they lose their sight and they put um, electrodes on their tongue. And over time, that's from, this is from Dr. Norman Deutsch, they're able to see things that are happening in the room. And, you know, the, the person in the yellow hat walking by because their tongue starts to understand what those probes, like the brain just is so plastic and is so changeable my point this is a far out study that i'm not going to explain very well but um the point is just that our brains are so fascinating to me that i think it always i always go back to these studies of we don't know anything <laughs> we're so um we we're, we're just on the cusp of understanding what we can do biologically physiologically with our own brains and so i'm always I just have this underlying sense that all of the things that are magical in the world, um, and I know this is hard for people who are really focused on deity and, you know, they, it's okay if you disagree with me, but I love when science and magic meet and we can see that, you know, there's a, there's, you know, something that's repeatable. That's an experiment that can back up my magical thinking that just fires me up. So that was a really long answer, and I hope that it wasn't all over the place. <laughs> no, it was so, it was very well said. I don't, it was perfect. I awesome. followed it, I understood <laughs> it. Um, I think maybe because I just resonate with that so much, like I really truly believe that. I, you know, the whole reason for my show is because I'm trying to eventually get people to see that even though we're talking about what seems like completely different subjects, there's always the same core value, the same core meaning or like things always come up the same way. And I think you bringing in science and especially neuroscience just adds that nice extra layer that is probably missing otherwise. It's perfect. I mean, it's just that's a lot of my work, I think, because I often, I'm off, I like to read that stuff. I think somehow, even though I don't talk about it that much in my work, I'm sure that my work is a reflection of my, my, you know, my own processing of that scientific information. Yeah. I, I think as a creator and a designer, what's really cool is you kind of get to play with that concept of what it means to be the creator. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So I think the fact that you're bringing in these ideas of human experience and 
uh, psychology and anatomy and like all these other things that are happening, you're really digging your roots into that. Like, what is it like to be a true creator? And it's, I, I think it's, um, I hope I explained that well. I think it's just really beautiful to see you uh, come closer and closer to your own divine being in that sense. Thank you. Really thank cool. you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, that means a lot. <laughs> So I don't want to um, keep you too much longer. I can, it sounds like I could talk to you all day, every day. So <laughs> if you were going to take specifically more from your spiritual practice, one thing that maybe advice that was given to you or advice that you've come across along your journey that you would want to share with listeners, what would that boil down to, that one piece of advice? Mm, such a good question. Um, and it can be more than one thing if it has to be. Sometimes I find my guests really struggle to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think the most important thing that we can do is, I mean, there's that piece of trusting ourselves, but it's more than that. It's like express yourself, you know, like you mentioned something about me, like taking my dance breaks and like that sort of like, when you start to really express yourself, you know, like this is it, this is exactly me. Then you start to know yourself more. And when you start to know yourself more, it's way easier to know what you're supposed to do next and where you're supposed to go and how life is supposed to work for you. And so I think that knowing thyself and the whole spiritual journey can be just, I think we need to express ourselves, honestly, and, and, you know, in order to find what we're looking for. That definitely hits home. I sometimes... It's not always, but sometimes when I ask this question and people respond, I end up having a very visual like movie happen. Yeah. And the way you explained it, it was almost like you were saying, the more you take the truths of yourself out and you put them into the world, the more space you have to get deeper inward. So I kind of pictured someone with all of these truths piled up in their body. And as they took them out and put them out in the world, they could get deeper and deeper in. Yeah. in really good visual example it ended up as your death rebirth card from the light seer just that there's way more depth in there than you think so yeah. <laughs> let it out and dive in right. it's really yeah. really beautiful i think thank you for that if people want to get to know you better work with you um check out your solopreneur information uh what would be the best way for them to get in contact with you probably through instagram you know i have a a horrible aversion to email. I get kind of an email, like, I feel like my, my chest tighten when I think about my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for sure, through Instagram, I find it's just light and easy. But that said, sometimes I miss stuff that comes into Instagram. You know how it is, like things get hidden and buried. And so you just miss it if you're not checking it, you know, that part of the day. And so if you write me, you know, anyone that writes me. If you want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. But for sure, if I don't answer you, it's never because I don't want to. It's never because I've looked at your profile and said, I'm not answering this person. Like I, because I know what it's like to be on the other end of that and then send someone a note and not get anything back and think, oh, they just, who do they think they are not getting back to people. But really now I know that person was just super busy. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, just text me again, send me another DM. But sometimes I just miss them, you know? Got yeah. it. And your Instagram is best found at Pixie Curio. Correct? Pixie Curio. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So and that, I mean, just please reach out. I love, I'd love to meet people. So. 
Perfect. Do you have a website they can find more of your work at? What, sure. What's the best it's, way to find you online we're, otherwise? We're rebuilding it. So the homepage is not up right now, but other things are. So it's uh, <laughs> www.chris, just like a boy would spell it, chris, C-H-R-I-S-N-A-N-N-E.com. Perfect. So chrisann.com. Cool. Well, I'm really excited to hear more from you, see whatever pops out next, whatever wild adventure spirit takes you on. (laughs) But until then, I thank you again for being here. It's been amazing to get to talk to you. Likewise. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. All right. That was my conversation with Chris Ann. After the show, Chris Ann and I had a fun little heart-to-heart where she offered me a lot of advice and insight to support me along my journey, and I cannot tell you how appreciative I am for such a kind soul like her. So if you would like to connect more with Chris, you can find her on Instagram, at PixieCurio, or you can head over to her website, chris-ann.com. While you're out there clicking around on the internet, make sure that you take some time to follow me on Instagram as well. That's at the Diviner Life. And to learn more about my offerings, you can head over to thedivinerlife.com. As I mentioned before, new things are coming in season three. And so if you would like to learn how you can become a supporting patron of the show to gain access to new special content, make sure that you check out thedivinerlife.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember to share with your friends, your favorite designers, your fellow creatives, or whoever else you come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you. I appreciate you. And until next time, be true, be you, be omnist. <laughs>